The views and opinions on this podcast regarding any people or businesses mentioned are based on interviews and articles available to the public. The views and opinions of any guests are not necessarily those of the host, the producer, or Pants Pending Studios. and welcome to another episode of Dog Lady Rants. I am your host, someone with an opinion and a platform. That's about it. My opinions aren't always popular, but here's a secret. I don't always care. So welcome to our uh, existing listeners. Welcome to any new listeners. Um, Last podcast apparently caused a little bit of a stir. I got some emails from that. Um, I am going to address those later in the podcast because I don't want that to take the place of the other things that I want to talk about. I I do want to address one thing uh, because this is crucial. Time is is of the essence in in this part. I I was accused at one point of... um, shoving my opinion down people's throats. So, um, you know, I just want to address that right now because I, I, I certainly don't want anybody choking um, while they're listening to my podcast. So here's, here's a little secret. There is a little X in the right hand corner in the top of your screen. And if you click that, magically, the bad lady who says bad things goes away. So um, let's just take a little stroll down the street of personal responsibility and maturity. And if you don't want to hear my opinion, you can click that X. And magically, I will go away. I will disappear completely. And here's some other helpful tips. If you don't like my opinion being forced down your throat, you might want to avoid stalking my personal page, um, stalking my photos, stalking my past puppy buyers from like four years ago, um, stalking the forums that I manage or the Dog Lady Rants page, um, the podcasts that I do. <laughs> and if I happen to request to join a forum that you're an admin on, um, there's a button that says accept and a button that says decline. It's okay if you just click the deploy decline button and leave it at that. I'll be fine. And I think you'll do even better if you just click the decline button. Um, You don't need to send me a message and rant about how you feel about my opinion. And then block me from responding while you go listen to my podcast again, and then come back and rant some more. Um, That kind of sounds like shoving your opinion down someone's throat who didn't really ask for it to begin with. Um, But (laughs) here's the thought. If you're listening right now, you're asking for my opinion. So just click the X. Just click it. Um, And (laughs) on another note, by blocking me from a forum, what exactly does that do? I have been watching this train wreck since 2004. It doesn't mean that the unethical or poor breeding practices or lack of education in certain areas doesn't exist if I can't see it. Is it like a tree in the forest that falls and no one hears it? (laughs) It it still happens whether or not I see it. And if you're hiding the way you're breeding from people who know better, then you're doing something wrong. This is why my page is always public. It's so, if I'm pulling crap, I want people to call me out on it. If you're hiding crap 
you need to take a look at what you're doing that you're hiding. Truth is painful. Go get a Band-Aid. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. First thing that I wanted to talk about, let's get into the bad, the ugly, and the good. Um, let's talk about a situation with the director of the uh, West Pennsylvania Humane Society. You may have um, heard this story back in 2016. She committed the heinous sin of buying a puppy for herself from a breeder. <gasps> oh my gosh. Well, okay, she's the director of the Humane Society. So of course, of course they're going to promote, you know, adopt, don't shop. Nothing wrong with that. Um, however, for her own personal choice she wanted very specific breed characteristics and that breed was not available in their shelter that breed is probably not available very often in their shelter and maybe she wanted health testing she wanted the background on the dog um, maybe she has kids and she wanted to get a puppy and raise it with the kids so that she knows all you know any behavior issues or she knows the history of the dog this is her own personal choice but everybody freaked out so bad she had to resign from her job and this is not it was not just a job this is was it was a career and she was ruined for going out and buying herself a puppy so here it is two years later they still can't leave this poor woman alone um she has gone into continuing to try and help animals she was getting into helping rescue horses i don't know if you've ever been to these horse auctions but a lot of the times these horses are run through and you know if they're not good riding horses or maybe they're lame or there's something going on with them that people don't want to buy them right off they get grabbed up by um, the meat buyers who send them off to slaughter so she picked up some horses from auction to save their lives and, of course, the people who continue to stalk her, continue to harass her, um, see that she's got these horses. And horses that go through the auction and are usually candidates to be grabbed up by the meat buyers and go to slaughter are usually in poor condition. They usually have medical issues or they're skinny or they don't look good or they're lame. So here she goes and gets these horses to save their lives. And they jump on her and accuse her of neglect. Since when can we not make a choice to purchase a dog for ourselves with our own personal funds, for our own personal reasons? Since when can we not do that in this country without being forced to resign and have your career ruined by it? It was a purchase. Why can't we make that choice? Northern states are shipping in dogs from shelters in the southern states because there are not enough highly adoptable dogs in the northern shelters now the spaying and the neutering worked it's working there's of course there's still accidents there's still backyard breeders and things like that but for the most part it has worked so well that they are having to move these dogs around to get them adopted because in some places there is a shortage uh, and if you don't believe that's true check out washington state they're shipping up dogs from the south all the time I've seen this over the last couple of years, especially in the Seattle area. They are pulling dogs up from California. So take a look at, and yes, there will always be the dogs that are hard to adopt out. The, the certain breeds that are hard to d adopt out because of a reputation. Um, 
or just there are the tougher ones that maybe are, are older with medical conditions and things like that. And, and, you know, I highly encourage anyone who is able to take on those hard to place dogs to give them a chance. Absolutely. As far as your everyday highly adoptable dog that is in demand, there is a bigger demand for rescue dogs in certain areas than there is supply, which I, hallelujah, that's wonderful. Um, but someone should still be allowed to make their choice to purchase a dog if they want to. Um, breeders should stop being the butt end of every criticism from people in rescue who think that all breeders are the same. So um, I, I think there's some things that need to change there. It's great that the war is being won on these, on the, the overpopulation and on, you know, too many of these dogs in the shelters. Um, so we need to now look at educating the public as far as um, responsibility. First of all, once they have those dogs, commit to that dog for the rest of their lives. You, you don't just dump it off because... You know, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, growling at the neighbor dog and the neighbor's mad and now we got to take it to the shelter. No, people need to be educated on being responsible for their dog and committing to that dog um, rather than dumping it off like people do because it's an inconvenience or because they've got something else going on. So let's take a quick break. Um, and after this, uh, we're going to move on to the ugly. <laughs> Um, and actually, the ugly also wraps in um, the good because uh, the end of the story ended up being a pretty positive one. Uh, and then I'm going to jump into my emails. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to go ahead and jump to commercial. You heard the never-ending random discussion. Two guys with their guests talking and making jokes. Your weekly roundtable discussion held at a rectangular table. We are your hosts, Andrew and... Steven. And that's all there is, right? Ooh, if a lady. No, because you can't forget about their monthly visitor. And I yell, oh my god, there's a spider, help me. And she goes, nope, and walks right back. <laughs> oh my god. Like, don't leave me. It's ladies' night. Hosted by Amanda King, Marjorie Lucemore, and Katrina Honeycutt. Hello. <laughs> I am a single woman looking for other single males. Is that in your Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I actually have a little sound bite of me. Hello. You guys are just like, that's hot. <laughs> yeah. I got I got a swipe. I Swiping right. I think it's swipe right. I don't even know. My best friend is bisexual, so we'll go get titty. I didn't titty know I was again. your best friend. Oh, you're not talking to me. <laughs> you too. Okay, so my, my two best friends are bisexual. So keep your ears open for these witty women. This is no daytime talk show. Sometimes I want to sound classy and sophisticated, and then I realize I don't. This is the worst platform for that. Have like 20 different chew toys, and all he wants is a washcloth. I don't think you're supposed to call them chew toys when it's children, <laughs> Katrina. <laughs> Why would you call them? That's what they're there for. She deals with dogs all day. Know. You hey, you know what? When Maddie was teething, she got a Nyla bone. Okay? <laughs> it's ladies' night. Every month on the never-ending random discussion, feminine farce at its finest. We're reliable with the ladies. Only from the Pants Pending Studios Podcast Network. Okay, our next story um, you probably heard about because this went pretty viral um, is regarding a van that was stolen in California. 
Uh, it was a van full of 14 show dogs. They were on their way to Wolfstock down in California, which is a big show. And they were with um, uh, the handlers that were taking them down there for the owners, plus the handlers had some of their own personal dogs in the van. Uh, it was a brand new, um, it was a brand new van. The dogs, you know, like they are typically with, with handlers being transported in the back in, in crates. And uh, they stopped for a moment at the In-N-Out Burger. They were gone about four minutes and um, the van was gone. Someone had stolen everything, dogs and all. Um, as you can imagine, it was a pretty scary situation for them. Uh, and the ugly part of this is not uh, jumping on the handlers, the drivers of the van, the owners, um, like the public likes to do. The ugly part of this was what the public did to um, when this story went out. Because I, um, I, I know from personal experience <laughs> that when something goes viral, people are ugly. And they will make assumptions without even reading a full article. They'll read a headline and then they will have a complete story in their head of what happened. So here we have people that didn't even read the entire news story, um, didn't do any sort of investigation beyond reading the headline, and they start trashing these poor people and saying, well, it was hot. You can't leave your dogs in a van while it's, when it's hot. Um, the van was on. It had air conditioning. Uh, another one was, oh, my gosh, they left the van unlocked. That was so stupid. Well, what happened is... Um, the one gal got out. She was the last to get out. And uh, it was a brand new van for them. And she did not realize that when you push the door lock and then close the door, you know, because the other person had keys, um, that the the van won't lock, that it that it unlocks because um, it doesn't want you to lock the keys in the car when the car is running. So that even though someone else had a second set of keys, she went to lock the door, close the door, assuming that it was locked. Unfortunately, it was not locked. Um and, uh, and some people were complaining that, well, you should have gone through the drive-thru. Well, if you've seen these vans, these vans don't fit in the drive-thru. So here's all these things just being thrown at uh, these people right in the middle of probably the, the scariest, worst thing to ever happen to them. And people were like, ah, body, kick it while it's down. I mean, people were so horrible and so ugly. And then they finally, they, they find the van and they show, you know, they open up the, gate, the doors and, and they, you know, show the inside of the van. And here are the crates all stacked up. And, um, and, and if you've been to a dog show and you've seen how the handlers transport their dogs, this is how they're transported. They are transported in solid crates, um, solid not meaning completely solid, but you know what I mean, solid air, air ventilation and all of that. But they're stacked, and this, the crates are just bigger than the dog. Because if anything were to happen, if, if you know there were to be an accident or something, um, it is safer for that dog to have a little bit more of a confined space than it is to have a big crate where they can be banging around. So it, it, they were being transported safely. And yes, they do stack them on top of each other, and I don't know why there's an issue with that. Um, but the crates were secured. They were of proper size for each one of the dogs. Someone freaked out because there were two dogs in one crate. 
one of the dogs was a hairless breed and that's recommended they should have another dog to curl up with um, to help their body temperature and this was a dog that that was already its buddy you know and that's just how they rode together so um, it, you know it wasn't bad enough they had to complain about how the dogs were lost but they also had to complain about how the dogs were found so um, it's just it's just amazing um, how people can just kick someone when they're down and these people did nothing wrong I mean I can see getting after someone who did something just you know blatantly neglectful um, yeah that person needs to be called out but people who didn't do anything wrong and they just absolutely jumped on them and let's compare this to another situation and I won't talk too much about this because it's a disturbing story and I don't I don't want to get into it um, but compare it to another handler who went to a show this was over in Europe and he picked up a client's dog he put it in a crate with three other dogs and in that dog didn't know those dogs um, and it's very common for handlers if they have a class they you know a lot of times the the vehicle will be kept running with the air conditioning on it um, and if they've got several different breeds and maybe one doesn't show for a few hours they'll go back and they'll you know they'll switch the dogs and they'll get the ones that are showing pretty soon and they'll put the ones that are done back in the van and so um, these, this particular breed was not showing for a while and he left them in the van and he left them unattended and left this poor client's dog in with three other dogs and actually those three dogs probably shouldn't have all been together anyway um, left them all unattended and somebody you know came back asking well is the dog ready you know our class is coming up pretty soon they went and they opened up the van and those dogs had killed that poor dog they got into a huge fight they sat out there um, unsupervised uh, for that time and killed this poor dog and that was a stupid mistake you, you if you have any sense at all any experience with dogs at all you don't just throw a brand new dog in a cramped crate with other dogs high stress situation you throw them all together and expect everything to be fine that handler in that case was negligent these guys did things right and by that I mean that their first priority was those dogs now this is put yourself in their shoes for a minute this is their livelihood this is their career those are dogs that clients have entrusted them with in that van and it would probably be very tempting for them to try and handle it without a lot of publicity because this looked very bad and you know there was it, it was what it was I mean you can't make it out into anything else but it, there would be that temptation like oh my gosh can we please just find these dogs before anybody finds out that we have a van full of dogs out there lost and um, but they put the dogs first immediately they didn't think about themselves they immediately went public on social media and said please look for these dogs this horrible thing happened please help us please help us find them and from there it blew up into um it was shared worldwide it, it went viral um but the main point is that people were looking for these dogs it was on the news there were sightings there were people donating for the reward 
it was huge and led to being able to find the dogs in the end. So they did the right thing. They weren't, they didn't try to cover their butts. They immediately did the best thing for the dogs. But you can't make everybody happy, apparently, because people still had to complain. Well, they were stacked in crates and they were, they were in small crates and they were in a van and they're, you know, it just become educated before you have this knee-jerk reaction to what you're seeing in front of your face because it may be different from what you see every day. Go to a dog show and look around and see that the dogs are in air-conditioned vehicles, that they are happy, that they're healthy, that they're totally fine. Stop making assumptions based on something you see for a split second. And this is the ugly on top of the ugly cake. This is the, I, I think the most low down dirty thing someone could have done is they called the police and they reported the handlers saying that it was all a big scam and they were trying to get donations for the reward money and they were scamming people and the dogs weren't really, um, the dogs weren't really stolen. Imagine how that felt. Put yourself in your in their shoes and imagine how that felt going into the police station and having to answer questions and defend yourself when you're the victim of a crime. What kind of an absolute low life reported them as being scammers in all the middle of, of everything that's going on. They have to defend themselves against accusations of being scammers. What kind of a human clod do you have to be to call the police on those people with, with apparently no information whatsoever uh, to go off of? Because that was just kind of a wild accusation. Anybody who knew them, who knew the dogs, think about it for a minute. Seriously, who would put their career and their reputation on the line for the reward money? Who would ruin their future that way or risk ruining their future by making this story up? It's an absolutely ridiculous assumption. And it takes a real dirt clod to call in and make that accusation and have those people go through having to answer to the police when they're the ones that are the victims of a crime. And they're already stressing out like crazy. So, you know, if that person is listening, uh, you're clawed. You're a waste of flesh right now because that is a rotten thing to do to someone. But let's move on to something more positive. <laughs> when the dogs were found, um, the shelter came out, the, the local Humane Society came out, picked up the dogs, took them back to the shelter. And when I heard that, I, I got nervous for a second because I, I have heard too many stories about shelters taking in a group of dogs and then finding reasons not to let them go. So when I heard they went to the shelter, I was a little nervous, um, but they brought the dogs back. They had them checked out by their veterinarian. You know, they, they gave them water, they gave them food, they, they housed them um, until um, everything checked out and, and then they released them to the owners or to the handlers um, at that point. So, you know, kudos to them. Um, what a, you know, what a great group 
that basically and it's, it's sad that we need to be surprised and excited when when these groups do the right thing but i i've seen too many cases where they don't and just recently there was a regulation passed in texas where if this had happened in texas none of those dogs would have been released without being spayed or neutered and you know we've got best in show dogs here we've got health tested champions grand champions group winners uh, these were very very nice dogs and that's that's not to say they're worth any more than you know anyone's loved pet um, and they were loved pets I mean they are loved pets they're they're owners treat them as pets first but they are show dogs and they are you know part of or a piece of the future of each one of those breeds um, spaying and neutering them when they are clearly show dogs and breeding dogs with that purpose along with being a pet w would be it makes no sense whatsoever but this new regulation down in texas um if you're passing through town and your dog gets loose and they pick it up they don't give it back to you unless it's been spayed or neutered and it does not matter what the dog is used for it is not allowed to be a breeding dog if it is if it gets in their hands while they're in Texas. So um, personally, I won't go to any shows there. If, you know, say there's a big show there, like the Nationals or something, I won't go there. Um, I don't travel too much out of the Northwest, but um, I have sent a dog down to Texas before um, for the BTCA Nationals, and I will never do it again if that's how the law remains. Um, it's overstepping, and, it, and if someone gets accused of neglect and they go in they seize their dogs they don't even if they are found not guilty they don't get their dogs back unless they're spayed or neutered now what happens if you have someone who's got a grudge against someone else and they report that person as being neglectful and then you know they come in and they grab up the dogs and they do an investigation oh look at that all their dogs are now spayed and neutered and they're they're pretty much done being a, a breeder or exhibitor uh, and it is an overreach and there's a lot of room for abuse and misuse of that type of legislation so it's really a problem when we see a situation like what happened with Haven Humane Society where they went in and they they helped the dogs and they gave them back to the owners we shouldn't be really excited to see that because that should be all of the shelters when when there is a dog that already has an owner um, it shouldn't be a surprise and a relief when people get their dogs back without an issue. And, and I know it happens all the time and it's just because I hear about these specific issues where it doesn't happen. And, um, and sadly had those dogs been in Texas, they would not have been returned as show dogs anymore. And that, that ruins a career as a show dog. You can't be spayed or neutered and still be in confirmation showing because that is the whole point is to evaluate breeding dogs. So, um, you know, it's a, that's a pretty sad law that has come up and, uh, but it, it was great to see Haven Humane Society, uh, remembering what is important when things happen and people lose their pets. All right, let's go ahead and move to the emails portion here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and leave names off of these. I don't know if I've done that in the past, but um, I, I think, um, you know, to encourage people to, to send me their emails, I'm 
perfectly happy to leave it anonymous um, if you prefer. And I did actually get a couple of requests in here that if this was read that, that they are anonymous. And, and so I'm just going to take um, some of these clips from, from these emails and uh, kind of go through and answer them. Had some positive, had a lot of negative, and... <laughs> and what surprises me is, is that people were surprised that this was my opinion. Um, and people who already knew me, that's the thing. I mean, people can be surprised if they have no idea who I am. But if you know who I am and you're surprised by my opinion, um, <laughs> I'm a little surprised myself. <laughs> have we met? Do you, do you not know what I have been, you know, talking about for years? Um, you know, I... I even put together a website called coloredbostonterriertruths.com. Uh, I pay for it out of my own pocket every single month and half of the last six years. I maintain it. I'm actually revamping it right now so it's mobile friendly again. Um, so I, I don't know what you were expecting, um, but oh well. So <laughs> anyway, so let's go ahead and jump into the emails. Um, so, all right. So I listened to your show and hated what you said about color breeders. We are not all puppy mills and we don't all crossbreed. My colored Bostons are purebred. Um, okay. So I went back and I re-listened to make sure that I did not say that all color breeders are puppy mills. Um, and I did not say that. And I would not say that. If you go back and if you listen I am talking about the fact that some breeders that are puppy mills were involved and are still involved in breeding these dogs. So the fact that there has been some messing around with the lines, some crossing of other breeds, bringing in other breeds, I am not saying everybody did that or is doing that. But I am saying that there have been and are still puppy mill type breeders involved in breeding the color Boston Terrier. And of course, they're involved in breeding any kind of breed. So I am not saying that just because a dog is black and white or brindle and white that is suddenly that frees it from having crappy breeding practices in its background. But I did not say all color breeders were puppy mills. But puppy mills that are involved... There are many unscrupulous breeders that would have no problem with mixing in other dogs to get the color. Now, yes, there can be breeders who mix other dogs anyway to either get free whelping or to get certain characteristics. That doesn't typically happen as often because there isn't as much of a reason to do it. But to get quick color when it's selling really well and selling for high prices, yes, there is a huge reason to bring in another breed and still slap AKC Boston Terrier papers on it to make a quick larger buck than they were making with their standard dogs. So, um, and once again, you cannot speak for every breeder and say that all of them are honest. So going back to the original statement, I have never and would never say that all color breeders are puppy mills or all color breeders are crossing breeds. I am saying that it has happened. And if, if you think that it doesn't, go back in some of, your, um, some of your pedigrees and see how far back you can trace dogs that you know what they look like, you know what the breeders' um, ethics were like. Um, keep going back and see what you find. Um, I went back in a... Uh, colored Boston pedigree and pulled up a dog 
and um, his name was Dude 3. You know why it's Dude 3? Because Dude, Dude 1, and Dude 2 was already taken. So um, this is how this dog's name came to be. Someone put Dude on the registration papers and sent it in. Um, There's nothing wrong with naming your dog Dude, but if you think about people that are breeding for the future of the breed or have a kennel or, you know, put thought and effort and care into breeding a good quality litter, they're probably not just going to call their dog Dude. And I went back in this dog's pedigree and for five generations, or out of five generations, I found two dogs that actually there were three, two were champions, one had a recognizable kennel name. Um, So out of 62 dogs, there were three that you could probably go back and do some some good research on as far as health testing, as far as quality, as far as photos. So there's, you know, 59 other dogs in there. I went back and, you know, there's a couple of kennel names that were recognizable, but those kennel names weren't, didn't even have a good reputation with breeders that don't have a great reputation. So um, you can't look at those 59 dogs and say, yeah, everybody, every one of those dogs um, was purebred. No one ever did any crossing. I know every one of those breeders. It's not realistic. I'm sorry. So, um, all right, moving on. So the next one is, okay, you, <laughs> sorry, you, sn- you show snobs are a bunch of racists. A dog is beautiful and one of God's creatures, no matter what color it is. Okay, let's, there, there's, there's many things wrong with that sentence. Dogs are one of God's creatures. Absolutely. They are wonderful pets. We're talking about purebred dog breeding, though. We're not talking about whether a dog or a pet that is already here and existing and is part of someone's life and is a loved member of the family. We are not saying that they don't deserve that love or that there's anything wrong with that dog. The dog can have one eye in the middle of its forehead, and it is still worth just as much to that owner as anyone's grand champion top dog in the nation um, is worth. So I have never, I will never say that someone's dog is not worthy of being absolutely pampered, loved, and that it's any less than someone else's dog. We're talking about purebred breeding here though. We're not talking about whether or not people love their dogs or whether or not their dogs are worthy of love. We are talking about whether a representation of the breed should be bred or should be producing more of what they are. So let's take the whole term racist out of that comment as well, because we're not talking about racism here. You don't let your dog out the front door to go fall in love and have puppies, and then someone discriminates against them. That's this, These are dogs, okay? We, we first have to get on the same wavelength here. These are dogs. We're not talking about humans. And you can say, oh, my dogs are like my kids. Just, But they're, the fact is they're still dogs. And we are still talking about breeding these dogs. 
So we have a choice in breeding these dogs, okay? People going and falling in love and having kids and in all of that wonderfulness, that is, that is completely different from you purposely going and producing a litter of a certain breed. It is your responsibility to do health testing, okay? Yes, people with health issues and hereditary health issues fall in love and have kids, And that is absolutely, totally fine. But you are breeding dogs and it is not about whether or not that dog fell in love and should be able to have a happy family. This is dog breeding. So your responsibility is to take the best representatives of the breed. And this is not a snobby thing. This is not about looks. This is not about being snobby, about something being pure. This is about the fact that breed standards are written so that a dog will have the correct structure for that dog. So as far as going back to um, the Boston Terrier, um, if you're breeding against standard, if you're breeding a long back on a Boston Terrier, you're probably not breeding um, a sound dog. So if if you were breeding away from standard, you were now you're no longer breeding a Boston Terrier. You're breeding your own preference. So this is this is not about racism. <laughs> this is about this is the standard for the dog. It is the description. It is the definition of what that dog is supposed to look like. So if you are breeding away from that standard, that is your own choice. But if you are if you are wanting to breed for the future of the breed and to breed good representations of that standard, you have to go by that standard. Okay, it, it, this is not about racism or being a snob. It's black and white. It is simple. It it is right there in print. Here's what a Boston Terrier looks like. So, it's not about being a snob. It's not about discriminating against certain colors of dogs. Your dog can be purple for all I care. That is your loved pet. It is worthy of your love. It is just as worthy as the the top dogs in the nation are of the love of their owners. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying, if you are producing dogs purposely and you are saying that you are breeding for the future of the breed and you are breeding the best, you shouldn't be breeding purple dogs. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Moving on to the next uh, email. Um, Thank you for saying what lots of breeders are thinking. I don't have Bostons, but I have French Bulldogs and they're being ruined by crossbreeding for color. We have mixed Merles and mixed black and tans registered as purebred and it's a disgrace. Okay. Yes. um, I totally get that. We're getting some issues with Merle and black and tan in the Bostons as well. Um, One thing that... um, I want to address regarding the black and tans. We've got one self-proclaimed color breeder expert out there um, who has stated that black and tan was in the breed because there was a dog that was described as black and tan tracings back in a book from, you know, around 1920 or so. And um, I hate to break it to you, but that has actually been investigated um, you know, it's it's a nice story. <laughs> it's a nice fairy tale that there was this mysterious black and tan bo- uh, Boston back there that explains why people are getting black and tan now. 
However, um, there, I don't know if you realize this, but there are still living relatives of the Haggerty Kennel. So someone who knows them gave them a call and asked them about Haggerty's King. And they laughed when she <laughs> said that people thought he might be black and tan. He was a black dog with brindle. That would be the tan tracings. And just because it was described in a different way from how they normally described dogs back then, doesn't mean you can make up a whole story about how there was this rare black and tan Boston back then who was a champion and, and you know, very, very well respected and thought of. So, um, you know, nice story, but it's not true. So those who were getting black and tan points in their dogs... Um, you know what other breed has black and tan points in their dogs and have been used in the past to create colored Boston Terriers? You guessed it, the Chihuahua. Good job. Yep. If you're getting black and tan um, in your Bostons now, you got some Chihuahua in the background. I don't think it's, it's Doberman. <laughs> I don't think it's Rottweiler. Um, but I have seen some very, very very chihuahua looking Boston Terriers out there. So um, yeah, anyways, I'll just leave you with that little <laughs> fun fact. All right, um, moving on. Let's see, I've got two more emails. Okay, dear dog lady Rance, I agreed with you on some things on your podcast, but most things you are way off base. Colored Bostons don't have characteristics from other breed. They just look like that because they're poorly bred, not because they aren't purebred and there's a difference. Okay, I want you to think about that for a minute. <laughs> if, you're, if your defense is the reason why most colored Bostons don't look like Bostons is because they have all sorts of poor breeding in their background and those dogs were produced um, as the result of poor breeding does that make it better is, is that what you want as a foundation for your breeding program poorly bred dogs that don't look like Boston's how, how does that make it any better I, I would say that's just as bad as someone crossbreeding Boston's are already known for being inconsistent. It's a fairly young breed to begin with. So you can take two fantastic representatives of breed and breed them together and still get a funky puppy here and there that doesn't look like either parent. So why would you be okay with an entire background? And let's, you know, if you want a copy of Dude Three's Pedigree, I will give you a perfect example of the background of most colored Boston Terriers. Uh, it's this mishmash of who knows what you're going to get. Why would you want your breeding program based on that kind of a shaky, crumbly foundation when you're trying to get consistency and good quality? Why would that be okay? And how is that better? That's no better <laughs> than having mixed breeds. It is not a defense to say those are just badly, badly bred Bostons. <laughs> that does not make it better. 
Oh, good gosh. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but that's that's not an excuse. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. By the way, if you're hearing weird noises in the background, you know, keep in mind the name of the podcast. It is Dog Lady. I've got like five dogs in the living room and you may hear them playing. There's one right now that's snoring. Um, so um, they, they're Bostons. You may even hear farting, but I guarantee it will never be me. So... <laughs> If it is, I will admit it. <laughs> but you may be hearing Boston sounds in the background. Okay, moving on to the next one. Hi, Dog Lady Rants. I'm told you're one of the people who runs the education page for Color Boston Terrier Breeders. If this is true, you are a hypocrite because you say everyone is welcome. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. Um, if you go to the description of the page, it will actually answer the entire thing and Lance will answer your question. Um, the page is not a education page for people breeding color Boston Terriers. It's an education page for everyone. And when I put that together in January of 2017, the goal was to um, enable everyone to have the same type of information that typically is shared on the show breeder forums where a lot of time uh, people who breed for color are not allowed because there is such a, a big difference of opinion uh, regarding breeding against standard, and so it just ends up getting really ugly. Well, this was an attempt to bring both sides together so that the information and the education was available to everyone with the purpose of benefiting future generations of puppies, regardless of, of you know what color they are, regardless of, of um, who they come from, it's in the best interest of the health of the breed in general for people to have that information. So I put the page together and, and I did risk and get some, um, some backlash regarding appearing that I was in support of breeding for color by accepting people into my uh, friends list and by going and talking to people on color breeding forums, by having conversations and getting to know some of these breeders who breed color. It was and still is an effort to improve future generations um, with the good of the breed in mind. And none of this was done so I could go get this, you know, secret information on color Boston Terrier breeding practices for my podcast or my website or or any of that. Although I think um, I have been accused a couple times of that recently. Um, that information was already out there. I've been watching, like I said earlier, I've been watching this train wreck for years. Um, so this is nothing new. Um, this is... These are not new breeding practices that I object to. These are not new ideas that that um, I came up with. This is this is the reality of it all, and I'm, I'm sorry. And if if someone talking loudly about what is already out there for everyone to see, if someone talking loudly about that in a public way is a problem for you, you should look at the breeding practices themselves. You should look at why are you upset that someone is talking badly about this? Why are you upset that this is being made very public? I'm not making this stuff up. If you think there's something inaccurate, please, please contact me. We will have a nice civil conversation about it. And you show me where anything I have ever said about breeding for color is inaccurate. Show me. Please show me. I would love nothing better than to have nothing to rant about on this subject. I would love it. But if the fact 
that I'm talking about some of these things that are reality in a very public way, in a very loud public way, you need to ask yourself, why are you embarrassed? Why are you upset at me for pointing things out that are out there for everybody to see? And if you need to hide it, why are you hiding it? So keep that in mind. I am very particular about accuracy. And it's already been out there. I didn't need to, you know, do some sort of silly undercover thing for that information to already be out there for everyone to see. I'm sorry, but take a look at what I said. Take a look at the forums you want and tell me that that's not true. Tell me that anything that I said, anything in my, and, and a lot of it is opinion. This is what I'm seeing with my own eyes. But if there's anything that I've stated as fact that you think is not true, contact me. Let's talk about it. And private conversations with me through messenger, phone, whatever, they stay private. They always have. They still do. So anyway, moving on. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Um, and I want to thank Pants Pending Studios for hosting the podcast. I'd like to thank my lovely producer for the job that he does putting it together. Uh, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Dog Lady Rants is a Pants Pending Studios production. And part of the Pants Pending Studios Entertainment Network. Find all of our great shows at pantspending.com. Get in touch with us by emailing us from pantspending.com or find us at Pants Pending on Facebook and Twitter. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to the show, throw the show a rating on iTunes, and don't forget to tell your friends. If you want to help support the network, you can at patreon.com slash pantspending. Thanks for making us a part of your listening day. Okay, all together on three, one. Two, three, pants, pants, pants pending. pending. Ah, close enough.